0: Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Good being in Christchurch, seeing what God's doing here in Equipus, and uh, my heart is going going home full, which is always good. I love what um, how God's used uh, Pastor Tico and Shelley just uh, in the... An amazing transition period and what God's doing in the church. I think we should give them a big clap. That's good. Uh, and just every, everyone in the church, just uh, thank you for just your, your energy, your support, your faithfulness, just your willingness and just how God has, um, in a way, preserved the unity of the spirit. And that's always important because if the enemy wants to do anything, he will destroy unity. And uh, once he destroys unity, then there's no blessing. But when there's unity, there's always blessing. That's where God con- commands his blessing. And, but the enemy is always wanting to break us apart. And we say, no, you're out of it. <laughs> Amen. We're going to push through in Jesus' name. Amen. So God is good. And today what I'm doing is just really building on a series of healing. Uh, I believe this year is a year where God wants to not only uh, release the power of God in a greater way to see healing. In my life, I've seen many significant healings, and uh, I'd like to see more. How many want to see more? Uh, I've often thought if I pray for 100 people and two people get healed, that's a win. It doesn't stop me praying because of the 98 that didn't, but I want to increase my percentage rating, amen, which I believe God wants to do this year, so we actually start to see a whole lot more people healed through the ministry of the church, and some of these stubborn, stubborn, I call them stubborn spirits like cancer and that, come on, we want to see shift this year. Uh, I was in, in Slovakia, and this uh, kid had a tumour, and uh, he'd been diagnosed, we was going to have to operate. And by the time he went to have his operation, the tumor was completely taken away just through prayer. And we want more testimonies like that, Uh, just seeing people completely set free by the power of God. Amen. We're thankful for doctors. We're thankful for medicine. Uh, We don't uh, say that that's not needed, but we do want to see the power of God intervene. And that's what this church is about, is seeing the power of God intervene. My theme for the year is Bold in the Gospel, and the Gospel of Jesus Christ is about God bringing wholeness. It's about God bringing healing, and we need to see that. This morning I talked about, and I'm not going to go over it because I don't have time, but just talking about the power of healing through overcoming. And uh, we need to see that many things in our life, God really wants to build into our heart the ability to overcome, to live in a place of victory. And so often we go through life thinking we've got to put up with something. You don't have to put up with it. Come on, let God intervene. If you weren't here this morning, uh, perhaps pick up uh, and listen to the message because I believe we need to to live in a place of victory. And so many Christians are are not living in wholeness simply because they're not overcoming in certain areas of their life. What I want to go on to tonight is just talk again about five different aspects where God heals. One is through faith. So uh, this morning I talked about through overcoming, uh, but through faith just the ability to persist and there's many scriptures in the bible but i want to pick out one which i like it's quite a well known one found in matthew chapter 9 verse 21 to 22 and it just was this woman if you know the story she had a woman's problem that she had really struggled with for 12 years in my translation it calls it an issue and so you mightn't have a woman's problem tonight, but you might have an issue. <laughs> Amen. And it's the issue that God really wants you to break through in um, and just uh, see God's healing. And sometimes we just need to have that persistent faith that just simply says, no, God, I'm not putting up with this. I've got faith for a breakthrough. Amen. And that's really something where you've got to interact. Uh, it's about your faith, your persistence, <coughs> and your ability. To perhaps just correct. Oh, here's a bottle of water. Sorry your persistence to push through. And in the story, I just want to read it, for she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, (coughs) I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well that very hour. And really, if you understand the story, there were many people around Jesus, but Jesus knew the touch of faith. And he responded to the touch of face, But the most powerful part of the story is actually in the first few words. And I, it's up there. And it's just that first line that I want you to take, take note of. It just says, she said to herself. She said to herself. And really faith is an inner talk. It's an inner language. It's where you actually get a statement inside yourself which says, no, no, I'm not putting up was this any longer, and you have an inner, inner conversation, you say to yourself, no, no, there's an answer here, I'm going to push through, I'm going to break through, and uh, for her, if only I just touch his garment, I shall be made whole. And if you understand the context of the story, there were many people around, so she had to push through many people, and if you understand the Old Testament, uh, which I'm not going to go in fully, but she was unclean. And because she was unclean, she, people would have tried to push her away. So here was a woman who was marked out by society, and she was unclean. And here she was in the midst of a crowd, not listening to their voice pushing her away, but a, sister, a persistent inner voice that gave her the courage to push through. And the moment she touched the hem of his garment, Jesus knew that faith had touched him and she was completely made whole. And I believe in life, we've got to actually get that persistent faith, amen? I'm not going to build on this one too long. I believe faith is a key. Sometimes you've just really got to get that inner voice in your heart and say, no, no, I'm not putting up with this. I've got an issue, I'm breaking through, and I'm going to declare the power of God to heal. Many of the breakthroughs, Helena, I've seen in our life has simply been by having that inner voice. No, no, we say to ourselves. Jesus is my answer. I'm breaking through. The second part, or the third part, is through breaking oppression. Oppression is something that is crippling our society in 2019, and I believe oppression is allowed to exist in the church, and it's time we said no longer, and I want to talk to it tonight uh, because uh, Jesus, if you go back to the scripture we read this morning, Uh, In Luke chapter uh, 4, verse 18, it says Jesus came to set the oppressed free. And then his account given in the book of Acts, it just says how God appointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, today we don't like to talk about the devil, but I don't mind talking about the devil. Because sometimes people are just too ignorant of what he's about. And in my term, he's a weed. When we get to heaven, he's just a weed. And we'll be, we'll be surprised at how insignificant he is. But we're put up with this oppressing spirit to undermine faith. Uh, he wants to really belittle us. He wants to condemn us. He wants to oppress you. He wants to, uh, uh, in many ways, uh, allow your spirit to come under a judgment. he's, He's intimidating. He tries to build fear into our heart. He just does so many things that we've got to really stand up and say, no, no, that's not my inheritance. Amen? And uh, tonight, I believe that God is really going to minister and set people free. That's one of my strong levels of faith. It's where I've said to myself, tonight, in Jesus' name, you're going to break oppression. Amen. And the oppressed are going to go out of this house free. Um, I, I, first church Helen and I planted was in Wanganui. And uh, um, I, I was really blessed towards the end of last year I went back there and there's this guy who would be six foot six. I'm not sure what that is in centimetres, but he's a very big man. And I remember him ringing me. It was 9.30 at night and he said, Pastor, uh, this is many years ago. You've got to come around to my house. He said, I cannot go in it anymore. He said, there's something inside that's not right. It's evil. And so I drove around. We had to go over the bridge in Wanganui to um, a place called, uh, I've forgotten the name now, but anyhow, I went there, (laughs) Um, and and here was this guy, he was standing out on the side of the road, this six foot six guy, big, tall, and he he just looked white as a ghost, you know, he was scared stiff, he was standing there, he said, "I, I can't go back in that house, I can't, there's something in there that's oppressing, and I don't know what it is. And so I said, okay, I'll go in and I'll have a little little walk around. And he sort of sheepishly, I'm not too tall, he sheepishly followed me. And uh, I go into the house and the first place I go into was the lounge. And in those days, so it was a long time ago, they had the old vinyl records. How many remember the vinyl records? In fact, they're coming into vogue again. (laughs) But anyhow, it was, was even before cassettes. You know, so I was way back then, so it was ancient, the ancient of days, you should sing a song about it. No, but but I walked in, and, and, and here was all his vinyl records, and it was easy for me to see, because the first one was called Black Sabbath. And then I just sort of looked and behind it, and I just started to see record after record, and I said, oh man, this is not really a going to bring too much freedom into your house, is it? And then I looked on the bookshelf, and he had all these books that, you know, you would never, as a Christian, want to read. Um, and I just said, you know, he, he is probably a big part of your problem. <laughs> you, you, you're really, you, you, you've opened your heart to Jesus, but you're really surrounding yourself with everything that would oppress you. And sometimes, you know, Christians think they're bigger than they are. They think they're smart. Oh, no, no, that wouldn't affect me. Well, it affected that guy. <laughs> and he came up to me just last year. He said, oh, do you remember me? I said, and then I saw his face. I said, I do, because everyone gets older. And, um, and I looked at him and I said, I do. I said, he said, do you remember coming to my house? And I said, I do remember coming to your house. He said, that transformed my life. And so what, what I said, I said, I can't tell you what to do. But I said, I recommend what you do is get all those records and take them outside and get a sledgehammer and break every single one of them up and let's have a bonfire and destroy all the books. And he said, okay. So he got all his records and we went outside and he got this big sledgehammer and he cracked all the records up and then we had a fire and he boom, boom, boom. He he didn't even take them to an op shop. Why would you take oppressive stuff to an op shop? That someone else would come under the same spirit of oppression. So we destroyed it, we got rid of it. And then we went through the house, and his testimony, come on, 20 something years after, he said, I remember how God set me free that night. Oppression was broken. And the number of Christians who are living with stuff in their house that invites oppression is frightening, it's scary. The number of young people who listen to things and wonder why they're not finding the freedom in Christ is simply because you're listening, you're opening yourself up to stuff that doesn't glorify or edify Jesus, amen? And, uh, you know, another story just to keep your, your mind, uh, um, I, I think it was, uh, I can't remember the year, but 22 members of my family came to Christ in a period of 22 years. So Helen and I gave our hearts to Jesus, and then we saw 22 members of our family. It was a real move of God, and we're so thankful. But there was just one stubborn one. And um, it was my brother-in-law, married to my sister, and he but strangely, we all gave our hearts to Christ, and he was always this nice guy. You know Nothing would ever go wrong. He was pleasant, nice to be around. You know the sort of person? But the moment we all gave our hearts to Jesus, his whole personality changed. And he started drinking not just beer, whiskey. He was out all night. His wife didn't know where he was. He just sort of, his whole personality shifted it changed. And she naturally became really concerned about him. Uh, And he was just totally opposed to the gospel. And she was worried. And she said, oh, can you pray? What, What do we need to do? And I went into a house and I saw this thing. And it was like a sort of an idol type thing. It wasn't a Buddha, it was something strange, but it was definitely an idol. And I said, you know, her name's Faye. I said, Faye, I think you really need to get rid of that idol. She said, I can't. It's come down from one generation to another on his side, on the family side. And so I said, well, I don't know, you know, I'd get rid of it or I you. And so another two weeks goes by, and she says, it's getting worse. Do you think I should get rid of it? And I said, well, it's up to you. I can't tell you what to do, but I know I wouldn't have it in my house. And she, she picks up this thing and she goes, she was on a farm and she went to the, the back of the farm, found this really deep gully and she biffed it in. And, um, and she said, in Jesus' name, no longer will that have any power to oppress our home. Just simple prayer. And we prayed. Within one week, he gave his heart to Jesus. One week. Come on, one week. And sometimes we, the, the very things we want, we're not actually shifting. And oppression is something that we welcome, sometimes by the things we have, but by the things we invite. And I believe we need to break the power of oppression. Um, I don't want to be oppressed. <laughs> I don't, you know, some people are so clever that they think, oh, no, I can handle it, but they live a life that's oppressed. I don't want to be oppressed. I want to live whole. I want to live free. And I believe I do. And I believe God wants to break the power of oppression. And sometimes to break oppression, you actually have to do something about it. You've got to go through. Every home Helen and I have ever lived in, we pray through. Every home. Because we never know what's happened in those homes. Uh, We we have this practice. We actually anoint every doorframe. Just simply saying, no, no, the, the the oil has got no power to deal with it. But it's our faith saying, this house. Is sanctified for Jesus. We're now going to live. You know, I travel. I walked into the hotel that um, I've been given to stay in here. The moment I walk through the door and go in, I just say, "This room is now sanctified for me. I'm going to have a good sleep in here. I don't know what's happened in this room before, but no oppressive power has the right to stay. I'm not. we're, We're greater than the enemy." Come on, we live above the enemy. So I'm not scared of the oppressions, but sometimes you need to say, come on, let's do something about it. Let's sanctify it. Let's sanctify your home. Wherever you go, sanctify it. Set it apart for Jesus to rest there and so it can minister into your home. I love it when people come into our home and they say, wow, this home's peaceful. It's peaceful. I love it when people say that, because it is. Amen? It's free from oppression. It's free from tension. And I believe we need to speak that so that the atmosphere, this church is going to be free from oppression. Amen? We're not going to let oppression, doesn't mean that people oppressed won't come in here, but they're going to find liberty because God is one who sets us free. The third area, uh, third, fourth, keep me right, is, is really the laying on of hands. And this is where I want to equip people tonight as well as pray for people. Um, part of the commission that Jesus gave to the church, and it wasn't just to the pastors, it was to the whole body, amen? He He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. This is Mark's account. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And really, pretty clear, pretty clear language. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, you know, when was the last time you cast out a demon? Can I ask you? You know, my, my wife, you know, I know an inch. She's five, five foot and a half inch. I don't know what that is in centimetres. I don't know. But she's five foot. You know what I call her? She's my ghostbuster. <laughs> I reckon she's cast out more demons than anyone I know. You think, my wife? Yeah. She just, she gets into it, and man, she's casting, she's breaking forces off, she gets into a prayer mode, and she sets people free. The number of people who would come up to my wife and say, when you prayed for me, something broke off my life, I set free. Why? Because she believes in the laying on of hands and the casting out of demons. We don't like to think there's demons in New Zealand. But they just go around saying, I don't exist, I don't exist. (laughs) But they're everywhere. And we need to begin to confront forces of evil that are oppressing. Then it goes on, and it says, um, they will follow him. In my name they'll cast demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and they will drink. uh, And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Don't try it out. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. What will they do? Come on, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will Recover. I want to mobilize the body of Christ to start laying hands on the sick. It's not just for the pastors. It's for the body of Christ. And sometimes, you know, when you lay hands on people, it doesn't mean that you feel super spiritual. Wow, I'm anointed. Give me someone to lay hands on. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It's it's an act of obedience. I take Nick, and so Nick, come up, and just whip your hat off. forgot to go for a minute. And, and, you know, so, so just say Nick, uh, I come across him, and, uh, and he's got an area, and I just say, oh, do you mind if I lay hands on you? And so Nick just closes his eyes, and I just lay hands on him. Now, the moment, the wonderful thing about Nick is I know who he is, and the moment I lay my hands on I can actually sense that he's open in his heart. Yeah. But, you know, I've, I've, I've learned just through experience by the laying on of hands, I can tell whether someone's closed. Yeah. It's almost like sometimes you lay hands on a person and it's like you're laying hands on concrete. Yeah. Because their spirit, it's literally their spirit's closed. You feel it. The moment you lay hands on, you can feel whether they're open in the spirit or they're closed. That's why we need to lay hands on people. Because in a way, it gives us a sensitivity to what God's doing. Many times you lay hands on people and you'll see the spirit of God literally come on them. Literally. And, and you don't look for that, but I've seen the Spirit of God come on people. And one of the signs is their eyelashes will start to flutter. And you'll see it. You'll literally see. And it gives an openness for you to start to minister to the people. Sometimes you lay hands on people, and you will sense something even in your own body that you know is a, a, a reaction to something that's happening in them that God wants you to pray for. Now, how do, you know, how do I know that? Because I started when I was 28 laying hands on people. My, my, my the Connect group or e group, thanks, my, but the e group we had in our house, we were in Gisborne, I was an intern. Any interns in the house? He's up there. Yeah, right? Yeah. come on, interns in the house run e groups, and uh, you know, and so I ran an e group in our house. We had this wooden table, it was strong, um, and People would come to our house, and I always ran an e-group like this. Oh, has anyone got a need? And I, I think it's actually quite good to pray for people. <laughs> Amen? And so the way we prayed for them is sit on our, this table. And so people would sit on the table, and I learned. That's where I learned, to lay hands on people. It's where I actually learned to prophesy over people. It's actually where I learned to get a word of knowledge over people's lives. Sometimes I was accurate, sometimes I wasn't. But I never got condemned because I really believed that God was teaching me as well as ministering into those people's lives. So we were there. When we left, all all our e-group came to see us off, but they would not let that table go. That's going to stay. It was in Gisborne. That table's going to stay in Gisborne. Um, uh, Simply because, for them, it was a place of encounter. Now, the table wasn't the anointed one, but it was just simply a place of encounter. But if I go back, I actually remember that's where I learned. That was my training ground. And that's why I'm telling you the story tonight, because people don't put themselves in an environment where they're actually training, where they're ministering. Today, Helen and I can minister. I remember going into a house in Gisborne. This guy had violent, been violently under an attack of a demon all night, and they called me round. I went with the elder. I was the intern, and the elder was scared stiff. And I walked into the house, and this guy had broken walls, he'd punched things out, he'd broken three guitars in the night. It was just a straight-out demonic manifestation. I walked into the house, I remember so clearly, and this guy started to attack me. I'd just come out of Bible college. I didn't really have any understanding except of what I read. And I didn't, he started to attack me, he was going to go for me. I just said, in Jesus' name, stop. And the guy stopped and fell to the floor, and I thought, wow, that was pretty good. <laughs> because really, I, I didn't know what else to do, right. you know, and he was going to slaughter me, but in, in Jesus' name. And, and, but I learned. Yeah. Come on, I learned there's power in the name of Jesus. Yeah. That's how I learned. Good. I didn't learn by sort of somehow, oh, God made me like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just simply learned by doing. And I believe right now tonight, I want to empower people in this room to see that you have the, the the God has called you. He's commissioned you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be old. You don't have to you don't have to necessarily be completely mature. But you'll learn by laying hands on people and starting to minister under the power of God. And that's going to be a major part of what God's going to release in here tonight. How many are ready? Come on! How many are ready? Come on, never go into a hospital and just say, oh, it's lovely to be with you and sit there for an hour just talking. No, no, I've 10-minute hospital visits are good. You know, you pray for someone, you lay hands on them, you minister the power of God. They'll remember that. They'll remember that more than they'll remember the person who's visited for one hour. Amen? They'll remember the encounter you minister to God. Every time I go into hospital, I'll go around all the people in the same ward and say, would you like me to pray for you? Amen? Come on. You're anointed tonight. How many are anointed? You're commissioned. You're commissioned by Jesus to go. And I believe in equipped churches around the world. That's why I'm preaching this message. God is going to release an anointing of healing. And primarily, it's going to come through the body. It's not going to come through the superstar. It's going to come through the body, rising up, and doing what God's called it to do. Amen? The next area is through the calling of the elders. I believe this is so powerful, and uh, I just wonder whether we could have the keyboard play, where is she, she'll come, did she hear me? (laughs) Good, Um, just through the calling of the elders, and this is a a powerful area. I believe tonight I I, I not only want to commission you, but actually I want to, to really, in a way, release the elders into a new authority. Amen. And uh, James is pretty clear. It says, If anyone is suffering, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing psalms. If anyone among you is sick, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if anyone has committed sin, he shall be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. This is this one another series that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, you don't call the elders. Just listen. You don't call the elders if you've got a cold. Amen? Or you just got the, you know, the man flu. You don't need the elders. But sometimes there are persistent things that happen in your life. And sometimes we just need godly authority to come into our room, to anoint us with oil, and to pray for us. And that prayer shouldn't be a light prayer. Um, you know, e- any, anybody do ironing in this room? Ironing, you know, iron clothes. Put your hand up if you iron. Put your hand up if you don't. <laughs> but ironing, you, you, you know, I, I, I do do a little Helen's a better iron than me. But now and again, I get a shirt and I think, man... I need that, and she's not there to I shouldn't sell it like this, but anyhow. That's, <laughs> but anyhow, I've got an iron, and I see, you know. But one thing I've learned is you can never iron a shirt when it's cold. You've actually got to put heat into the iron. Amen? And really, when it says the effective, fervent prayer is putting heat into your prayer. A cold prayer doesn't move anything. Amen. Doesn't doesn't remove anything. Oh, in Jesus' name I just pray and no, no, it's a it's a fervent prayer. It's when you believe. And I'm speaking to leaders in this room tonight. Come on. It's the effective, fervent prayer. It's the anointing of oil. And you know, we're trying to encourage our church, especially in Auckland, and I'm releasing you tonight. Come on, where there are persistent forces at work we need leaders, elders to come and pray Um, I was involved with a couple in Denmark, I was there three weeks ago and I'll tell you the story, I might have told this here again but I love testifying to it because it's powerful and they um, I'd I'd known them for a long time and I'd have been invited round to their home and uh, perhaps just take the sound of the keyboard down a little um, and I'd invite around their home for supper and they started to tell me their story of how they had been married for I think 10 years or something and they hadn't been able to conceive and have children and that naturally got me because we had children really without trying (laughs) it just they seemed to come I don't know Um, and and that was our experience but here was and I felt their pain and I reckon there's nothing more painful than on a mum, Mum's Day and a Father's Day for people who really long to have children but haven't been able to conceive. And you know they're in your church and you want to celebrate Mum's Day, Father's Day, but here's people, for them, that's a painful day. And I felt those pain, the pain of people. And I suppose out of the pain of that, God's given me a bit of compassion. And, and they just said, you know, we've been prayed. They opened up their heart. They said, we've been prayed for by just so many major men and women who have come through the Bible college they're part of. And I don't know, to this day, I don't know why I said it, but it was God. I just simply found coming out of my mouth, when I pray for you, you'll get healed, you'll, get, you'll conceive. And they sat back and we stood up and I laid hands on them and I prayed a fervent prayer. I felt compassion. Because I, I, I feel the pain of people because I know the joy of having children. And, and so my compassionate prayer. Three months later, I get a, an email. We're pregnant. We're pregnant. After, you know, I think it was 10 years. And so the interesting thing is they now have five children. <laughs> and so I walked through the door of their house three weeks ago. This is literally true. Could you stay out? We don't, <laughs> we don't want any more children. Please don't pray in this house. <laughs> Just stay outside. Amen. And, and it was literally like that because God just God, God did something significant. And you don't know what God will do when you acknowledge the right source of power. Amen. And I believe that, you know, sometimes I, I, I remember in my early days, and it was an early experience again, this guy came up and he said, Can I, the, the elders, anoint me? And, and, uh, and I, I just, he had back pains, which is quite common. And I just laid hands on his back. And I said, in Jesus' name, heal this man's back. And I literally felt right down, all all the discs of his spine just went, and he was immediately healed, just like that. I wish I had more stories, you know. Another story, but I'll just tell you, was a lady, and you don't often see this, she's schizophrenic. Bipolar would be a modern term today and uh, she'd been in our church and, and, and now I'm going to be completely honest and please don't think I'm being rude but boy she just irritated me because she would disturb every service disturb every service she'd fall on the floor in the middle of something and after a while I just thought it's almost like the enemy come in to distract the service and so she was sitting virtually in the middle by the aisle and she was obviously, I don't know how it happened, but she just said, she felt this impression, if you ask the elders for you to pray for you tonight, you're gonna to get healed. And she comes up and I said, oh, well, I'll get the elders because I wasn't gonna be involved. True, because I, in a way she irritated me. It was just, she, she'd done enough damage for me. And so it wasn't on my face. So the elders got round her, simply laid hands on, anointed her with oil. Nothing really dramatic happened. But she rang Helen, my wife, the next morning. She said, you know, she said, this morning I woke up and for the first time since I was a girl of nine, I heard the birds singing. She said, as a girl of nine, I had invited voices into my life. She said, but today is the first time. And we were so, I was overwhelmed because, you know, I was the doubter. But he got it intervened because she had responded in faith. And so we were in an excited mode as a preacher. You always thought, oh, you must share this. And she said, no, no. She said, I'll share it in one year. I want to live for one year. One year later, she said, I'm ready. I want to stand on the stage. And I remember, you know, she was, she still had her, her traits, which were, you know, not what you say completely normal, but she stood up and she just drew everyone's attention. When she started to share her story about how she woke up in the morning, she heard the birds sing and she said, that day I was set free as I obeyed the word of the Lord to be prayed for by the elders of the church. God delivered me and set me free. And do you know, every morning I wake up now and I celebrate the goodness of God because he broke the power of the enemy that I had invited in as a nine-year-old girl in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe we need those testimonies. Amen. We need the power of God to move. We need to break some of the things which are really pushing against society. Cancer is another one. Recently, uh, a high profile person in our church got diagnosed with lymph cancer. The first thing she did, she said, I'm not putting up with this, can the elders come? The amazing thing was in the middle of the day, and I admire all the elders in the Auckland church, they dropped what they did, they met. They walked into the room because they knew this was a priority. They anointed with oil and we prayed and laid hands over her. Come on, don't put up with, I was gonna say don't put up with crap. I'm just saying it again, don't put up with crap. Amen. Come on, don't put up with it. It's time to to really get the power of God operating in the church. And can I say tonight, I'm actually wanting to put a bit of pressure on the elders. Come on, do your job. (laughs) Amen. Don't have an excuse. That's what God's called you to do. Leaders must rise. And why? It says, so so coming back, going one step back, everybody's called to lay hands on the sick. Everybody. Right? So, So it's not disqualifying you, but there's some things that we need spiritual discernment in. That's why you call the elders of the church. Sometimes there are prevailing issues that have a deeper root. And that's why you need men and women who've got the maturity of to know how to pray, what to pray and what to release that's why we call the elders of the church uh, one boy, uh, another testimony which I think is worth sharing is it was in our church again uh, in Wanganui, and this boy, I, I don't, he had an eczema, you know uh, it just got in and he would just claw his arms to the point they bleed and his mum would have to wrap up his arms and she was beside herself, he was on uh, steroids, everything to try and you know, take away the, the irritation and he got worse, he got asthma and she just came to church one day, she was beside herself she said, I, I'm asking the elders to anoint my boy and so a nine year old boy, he didn't have face, mum had face laid hands. She came to church the next week showed the arms. Never ever to have that touches life again. And, and, and we need to acknowledge that on the power of God. God wants to release. This church is not here just to create an environment of great preaching. This church is here to mobilise. It's here to equip. It's here to get people functioning. It's here to let the power of God heal. It's actually to break the powers of oppression. Let God set people free in Jesus' name. Amen. So sometimes we just have to confess. The last one is through communion. We're going to finish with communion. This is the one I like. Amen. It's the one I like. It's probably where I receive, are you ready? My greatest healings. Because really communion is about remembering for a Christian. It's about remembering. You remember. You remember that by His stripes, Jesus, we receive Christ's healing. You remember that through His bruising, Your iniquities are taken from you. I want to talk about it. If we could just not bring them out too quickly, okay? Just hold them, because I want to preach into it first. Amen? This is an area I believe most Christians should learn to appropriate the power of God's healing grace in their life. And I want to read it, because I think it should put a little fear into Christians' hearts, a little wee bit of the fear of God. Um, and, and, and I do believe that we, we sometimes need to come back to the Word of God. I actually believe what it says because I've probably seen it. It just says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Pretty powerful words. But let a man or a woman examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So if he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Pretty powerful words. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak, sick, and many sleep. The word sleep really means you're dead. Do I believe Christians can die prematurely? I do on the basis of the Scripture. Because we literally just eat the communion, think, "Oh, well, it's just a bit of bread and a bit of wine," and you know we don't really need to. But really, we, we, when every time you take it, you're remembering something that's significant. There's there's no literal power in the emblems, but it's what you do in your memory. See, it says he was through his stripes, every stripe that Jesus. Receive was for yours and my healing, that you and I be whole. That's why the gospel of Jesus is so powerful, because He came to heal our brokenness. But then another one is it says He was bruised. How many have been bruised? He was bruised. A bruising is an inner bleed. Inner bleed. I had. Um, I've got knee replacements. And it's one area that I had to go to the doctor. I'd been prayed for, but in the end, that was my healing. But I remember coming out from the operation, the bruising was right down my leg. I don't know what they do in that theatre. I didn't want to know, but the bruising was serious. And uh, but, but, so it was in a bleed. Now it says, and I want you to look, watch me, it just says that I, I did an illustration of sin. But not many people understand the word iniquity. We need to understand the word iniquity so that we actually appropriate the emblems of Christ with more faith. He was bruised for my iniquity. Really, it just says that the blessings of God go down from one generation to another, up to five generations. So so for me, put your hand up if you're a first-generation Christian. I'm a first-generation Christian, even though I baptised my father that he came to Christ after me. Last week, last Sunday, I baptised my grandchildren, child. How will you baptise Shared She this morning, third generation. Five generations, the blessings of God go. So for me, I was first generation Christian, so it's almost like God used my life, Helen's life, to cut the power of the iniquity, you ready? That goes from one generation to another generation, up to five generations. That's why, you know, having been in ministry 42 years, you see alcoholism go from one generation to another. You actually see depression go from one generation to another. Sadly, you see in homes where people, girls get pregnant before marriage And it can be a generational curse. Mum, grandma, it's almost like a generational curse, one generation to another. So, So the word iniquity, again, watching me, if you just watch for a moment, the word iniquity literally means to walk with a bend. We walk with a bend. And you hear people say, I'll never be like my mother, but the older you get, the more like your mother you become father oh no no I'll never be like the older you get the more like your father you become and sometimes that is good but sometimes that's a curse and every time you take communion you're breaking the power of that iniquity you're breaking the power of it. You're saying, that iniquity, that curse is broken. That curse can no longer have control over my life. I break the power of it. I am a child of God. And through the blood of Jesus, God has intervened in my life. Amen. That's, that's why it's powerful. Every time you pick up the emblem. So, so what, what I'm really trying to do is, it's not to make it super reverent. You know, where everyone, <laughs> no, 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 just simply, Tonight, examine yourself and say, "Wow! I'm not going to take this for granted. This is not just a religious act. This is about my healing. It's about my salvation. It's about my life. It's about who I am as a person. It's about my wholeness. It's about my health. It's about every part of me bringing integrity into my humanity. It's about the delivering of my mind. It's about God ministering into my life. That's why communion is powerful. I don't think we need to have it every week. But whenever we do have it, we're remembering. We're remembering the power of of the body of Jesus Christ who was not only through his stripes but through the power of his bruising. Every part of what Jesus went through is for yours and my healing. Yours and my whole health. And then, you know, when I pick up the cup, this is the way I I, I take it. I, I take it and I just close my eyes and I say to myself, Jesus, I thank you. And in my heart, I say, Father in heaven, you no longer see me the way I used to be, but you now see me through the blood of Jesus. All my shame, all my fears, all my doubts have now been washed through the blood of Jesus. I'm not sure whether I shared this here, but just uh, before we do come around and share it again, but Christmas time, I, I love, love it because... Uh, Christmas Day, everyone has different traditions but we go to church 11 o'clock we normally sit around I think there's normally 25 of us sit around, all our family and all, all, all our prezzies, all our good things are under the tree and, uh, but the first thing we do is I will get some wine and I get some biscuit and we have communion together as a family And I just say to all the kids, parents, we're gonna remember why we're here today. I love all those gifts under the tree. And I'm sure you wanna see in them because they're an expression of the love of the people in our family, to you. And we'll get excited in a moment. But really the greatest gift that we have as a family is Jesus. Thanks for listening to this podcast check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.